If you got your Bibles tonight, let's go to 2 Kings chapter number 13. 2 Kings chapter number 13. It's good to see my uh, my grandma and grandpa with us tonight. And uh, I don't get to see them as much. Life, life gives busyness and don't get to get up here, but it's always good to see grandma. There is nothing like grandma's biscuits and gravy. And uh, I'm 35 years old and anytime grandma spends the night somewhere that I'm at, grandma's going to make biscuits and gravy for me. But uh, I'm a, a little bit about myself, I'm a, I'm a fourth generation preacher on my mom's side, my, my mom's side of the family, my great grandpa, my grandpa, my mom are all ministers of the gospel. I'm a third generation on my dad's side, my grandpa uh, was a pioneer pastor, and minister, pastor to built churches in Minnesota, Colorado, Arkansas, uh, you name it, he built a church there. And uh, you add four and three together, that's seven, and in the Bible, seven is the number of perfection. I'm not saying, I'm just saying, you know, perfect preacher. But uh, anyway, <laughs> I'm just playing. Second uh, Kings chapter number 13, verse number 14 is where we're going to begin. And uh, I want to preach a message tonight entitled, A Breakthrough Where You Stay Through. A Breakthrough Where You Stay Through. Second Kings chapter number 13, verse number 14. It says, Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he would die. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and some arrows. And so he took himself a bow and some arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow. And so he put his hand on it. And Elisha put his hands on the king's hand. And he said, Open the east window. And he opened it. And then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. He said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For you must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you have destroyed them. Then he said, take the arrows. And so he took them and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck it three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. Uh, this morning I preached what I felt was a word for the church. I felt like it was a word for Christ Point Church in general. Tonight I feel like, and I was, I was getting ready this afternoon, was praying, was thinking about this service, and I feel like uh, what God spoke to me was where I spoke a word to the church this morning. I feel like I'm speaking a word to people tonight. That there's people tonight that, that need to hear this and, and need to uh, experience this in their life. And so I want to preach for just a few minutes on a breakthrough where you stay through. Would you, would you pray with me this evening? Let's ask God to, to meet us at this point. Father, we love You. And we thank You for the opportunity one more time to stand behind Your pulpit and to declare Your Word. Your Word is power and it is life. And so God, I pray over these next few moments that our hearts would be attentive, our ears open, God receptive to what You're speaking. Lord, You would anoint me, loose my lips to speak Your Word. I pray, God, that You would receive all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. And we thank You for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Now, if you'll preach with me tonight, I'll, I'll tell you I'll tell you what Elizabeth Taylor told all her husbands. I won't keep you long. Alright, so if you'll preach, me, preach with me, we'll get through this tonight. But our Bible uh, text this evening takes us to the story of a king by the name of Joash. Now, uh, Joash was not a godly king. In fact, First uh, Kings thirteen or Second Kings thirteen and eleven tells us that he did evil in the Lord's sight; that he refused to turn from the worship of idols that had been started by his ancestors. And yet, what we find this evening 
is that he recognizes the man of God. He recognizes that Elisha was truly a prophet from God. And so as Elisha is living the last days of his life, Joash the king goes to where Elisha is. Now this was very uh, out of the ordinary. It was out of the custom for the day. The king did not go to anyone. Everybody came to the king. And so for the king to leave his palace and to leave his home and to go to where the prophet was was a recognition and was a sign of honor because he, he understood that Elisha had a heart for Israel and had a heart for what was best for Israel. And so as he is there, he has come to receive some dying counsel, so to speak, and a blessing from Elisha. But as he is there... Elisha has him do some things that when you read them, they seem quite strange. First of all, he tells him, I want you to take a bow and an arrow. I want you to open the eastern window and I want you to shoot it out that window. Now, this was symbolic of conquering. He shot it towards the land of Syria. It was symbolic of a conquering of the land of Syria. And the king does it as he's told. And Elisha says, this is the arrow of the Lord's victory. God's going to give you victory over Syria. The Syrians had been oppressive to the people of Israel. They were constantly antagonizing them. They would come in and rob them of their, of their crops. They would come in and rob them of their harvest. They would come in and rob them of their livestock. They were, they were enslaving some of the children. They were just antagonistic towards the people of Israel. And God was telling the king in that moment, you'll have victory over them. But then Elisha tells him something else to do. He says, I want you to pick up the arrows and I want you to strike them on the ground. Now, this had to be a weird request to Joash. And, and he's got to be thinking, man, the prophet lost his mind. And so he picks up the arrow and he kind of lackadaisically strikes them on the ground a couple of times. And the Bible tells us that Elisha gets angry. And he looks at him and he says, look, you should have hit the ground more than just a few times. But because you only did it the few times you did it, your victory won't last. You, you came and you wanted victory, but your victory is only going to be temporary because you're not, it's not going to last, it's not going to make it. Because you only hit the ground three times, you're only going to have victory three times. You say, well, Pastor Josh, what does this have to do with us? He had a breakthrough, but he didn't have a stay through. Now, now you may be here this evening and your problem may not be a kingdom that you want to defeat. But you have an adversary that is after you and you need a breakthrough. I still believe in a literal hell and a literal devil. The Bible tells us there's an enemy of our souls and it says that the thief of our life has come but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Too many people want to play patty cake with the devil. Too many people want to play nice with the devil. Too many people want to pacify the devil. Too many people want to make nice with the devil. But he's out to get you. He's out to destroy your family. He's out to destroy your kids. He's out to destroy your dreams. But God wants you to have victory over the enemy tonight. So you've been battling something in your life, whatever it may be. Struggle with it. You keep going round and round with it. Maybe for some of you in this room, it's an addiction that you can't feel like you can overcome. Maybe it's an emotional thing. Maybe you battle bitterness and unforgiveness. Maybe, maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you've been wounded. Maybe there's an offense in your life. Maybe it's something in your past that you can't seem to get over and you live with the regrets and the hang-ups from your past and what's occurred there. Maybe it's a struggle in this moment that's weighing you down. You're facing a difficulty. You're facing a hardship. And you don't know how you're going to make it through. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's porn. 
Maybe it's an attitude problem. Maybe it's the pursuit of the wrong things. But in your heart of hearts, you truly want victory and you truly want a breakthrough. And you come down to the altar and you pray and you cry and, and, you, and you feel better and you leave and, and you feel like something's happened. But, but what you find is soon that you are battling the same things over and over again. Maybe for some of you, it's a spiritual breakthrough that you need where you come and you say, Lord, will you reignite the passion within me? Will you reignite the power within me? Lord, will you reignite the faithfulness and the commitment in me? And maybe you come and you feel his presence and you get faithful for a little bit and you're committed. But then in a few weeks, the newness of what happened and the freshness of what happened has worn off and you're right back where you were and you wonder what happened to the fire and you wonder what happened to the passion and you wonder why can't I quit this addiction and you wonder why am I struggling with this bitterness and this anger again you've gone right back to it like a pig to mud and yeah you got a breakthrough for a moment but what you didn't get was a stay through God doesn't want you to keep going back to the things that have held you captive God doesn't want you going back to the same sin and the same mindset and the same thoughts. You need a breakthrough where you won't go back. You need a breakthrough where you won't turn around. You need a breakthrough where you'll press forward in the fullness of all that God has for you. Well, how do we get that breakthrough in our lives? Number one is this. Don't be satisfied with partial victory. Don't be satisfied with partial victory. Now, imagine, here's Joash. He comes, he comes to Elisha the prophet, and he really wants victory. But when the prophet tells him to strike the ground, he's just barely hitting the ground. Here's why. Because Joash was thinking, if I can just have victory now, if I can just have victory in this moment, he was looking in the small term, in the small mindset of the moment that he was in, if I can just have victory in this moment. And the prophet is telling him, you could have dealt Syria a fatal blow. You could have had total victory. You could have had complete victory. So often where we're looking at the moment and a moment of victory, God is looking at the long term and the victory that He wants you to walk in in your life. And because of what happened, Joash got what he wanted. He got a victory, but he only got a temporary, momentary victory that didn't last. We see this happen in the Scriptures over and over again. When Israel came into the promised land, you read in the book of Deuteronomy, one of the things that God told them was, when you go to the promised land, what I want you to do is drive out and get rid of all the other inhabitants that are there. Because God knew what was going to happen. He said, you're going to get in there, and if you keep them there, what's going to occur is you're going to start hanging out with them. You're going you're gonna to be nice to each other. You're going to see each other in Walmart there, and you're going to wave at each other, and you're going to be nice. Then you're going to start going to everybody's houses and going to have barbecues, and you're going to eat good and it's going to be not then you're going to start intermarrying them and your sons are going to marry their daughters and your daughters are going to marry their son and then you're going to start worshiping the gods that they worship and so when you get in the land drive them out i don't care where you send them they just can't stay here the bible says that when they get to the land you read it in the book of joshua when they get to the land what do the people do they start making excuses for why they can't drive the people out well, they live in the hills. They live way up there, and we don't want to go get them. Well, you know, they got some chariots that are really good, and we can't beat them. Well, you know, maybe we'd be better off just making them servants 
in the land. And the very thing that God warned them about is the very thing that began to happen. They begin to hang out. They begin to intermarry. They begin to worship all the things that they weren't supposed to worship. Why? Because partial victory is not victory at all. God did not call them to co-occupy in the promised land. He did not call them to move into the promised land and just keep whoever was there around. He said, this is your land, so you've got to go out and you've got to drive out the people that are already here. The Bible tells us the story of Samson. Samson's called by God a Nazarite. Nazarite had three vows. You don't drink anything off the vine, you don't touch any dead thing, and you don't cut your hair. And if you look at the story of Samson's life, he broke all three of those things. The Bible tells us that Samson, he's a strong man, he's a mighty man. He did many mighty exploits, but Samson had a woman problem. The Bible tells us that the first woman Samson falls for is a Philistine woman, a woman of the wrong class, a woman of the wrong place. God had already specifically instructed them not to marry the enemy, so to speak. And the Bible tells us that Samson falls for this woman and told his mom and dad, I got to have her. Do whatever you got to do to make it happen. So they arranged the marriage. You know, and, and then uh, it gets into this whole thing about calling his wife a heifer. I don't recommend that. Don't do that. You, you husbands, it will not go well for you. Okay, I don't even know what, you know, don't plow with my heifer. I don't even know what that was about. But y'all just don't do that. And so what happens though is this marriage never gets on the, off the ground because when you burn down people's fields, they don't take kindly to it. So Samson, the Bible says after that period though, for 20 years, he judged Israel righteously. He lived for God. He served God. But then Samson goes down. He sleeps with a prostitute. And then after the prostitute, Samson meets Delilah. You have to say it like that. It sounds scandalous. Delilah. The Bible says that Samson puts his head, she starts singing a sweet lullaby, runs her fingers through his hair. Samson, what is the secret of your strength? Well, if you give me a braid, you know, you give me dreadlocks, I'll be just like any other man. She does it, says the Philistines are upon you. Samson jumps up, does his thing. Well, you know, if you tie my hair with new str- or tie me up with new strings, I'll be just like any other man. Samson, the Philistines are upon you. Jumps right up, does his thing. The Bible says that she vexes him so much that finally there came a point where Samson revealed the secrets of his heart, the secret of his walk with God. And that she shaved off his head. And the Bible, it's a damaging, a damaging uh, thought to Samson. It's a damaging thought to our lives because the Bible says, she says, Samson, the Philistines be upon you. Samson jumps up and the Bible says he's going to go out like the other times before, but he doesn't even know that the Lord is not with him. How many times have we thought, I'm going to beat it this time. I'm going to get rid of it this time. This time's going to be the time. And we jump up thinking we can do it in our own power. And we jump up thinking we can do it in our own might. And we don't even realize that the Lord is not with us. See, partial victory is not victory at all. Don't be satisfied with compromising with the devil. Don't be satisfied with pacifying the devil. Don't be satisfied with giving him uh, a place in your life. Because if you say, well, I'm just going to compromise, compromise is just an appeasement of the enemy. And it leaves the door open for that thing in your life to make a comeback and to rise up and take advantage of you once again. And so what happens is we find ourselves fighting the same battle over and over. We have moments where we feel free, but then we find ourselves right back in the struggle. We deal with the same frustrations. We deal with the same emotions 
emotional issues, the same bitterness and the same anger. And we deal with the same thought pattern and we deal with the same relational issues and we deal with the same spiritual issues and we fight the same addiction and the lust rears its head and the porn becomes a problem again and the bitterness returns and the unforgiveness resurfaces. Why? Because we never got victory in the first place. We just appeased it for a while. You can't half-heartedly break through. You have to break the back of whatever is attempting to control your life. It is more than saying, shoo devil, don't bother me. It is more than saying, don't bother me and I won't bother you. It is about getting radically indignant about what is going on in your life and saying enough is enough. You have to cut the head off the sin in your life. The Bible tells us in Joshua chapter number 10, Joshua 9, the Israelites were tr tricked into making a treaty with the people of Gibeon. And basically what that treaty said was, if anybody comes against you, Gibeon, we'll be there to protect you. So in Joshua chapter 10, Gibeon's being attacked. And this is the story. This is where Joshua prays and the sun stands stills and they gain victory over the people. But I want you to watch what happens. Joshua chapter 10, verse 24, it says, So it was when they brought out those kings to Joshua, that Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said to the captains of the man of war who went with him, come near, put your feet on the necks of these kings. And they drew near and put their feet on their necks. And Joshua said, don't be afraid nor be dismayed, but be strong and of good courage. For thus says the Lord, this, this is what the Lord will do to your enemies against whom you fight. And afterward, Joshua struck them and killed them and hanged them on five trees and they were hanging on the trees until evening. See, you have to take the arrows of deliverance in your life and you have to strike the ground. You have to keep that addiction. You have to keep that sin under the blood. You have to keep that flesh on the altar. You have to fight to keep your mind pure. You have to fight to keep your heart humble. Don't be satisfied with partial victory in your life because God wants you to have total victory. Second thing tonight is this. Don't be satisfied with partial victory. But second tonight is this. Don't let your breakthrough turn into used to. Don't let your breakthrough turn into used to. See, if we don't gain victory, if we don't gain total defeat of the enemy in our lives, then we run into the danger of seeing a breakthrough turn into a used to. And what I mean by that is we'll start looking back on areas of life where we used to be free, where we used to have breakthrough and find ourselves in the same patterns and the same difficulties and the same responses and the same sin and the same habits and the same hurts. And we'll start saying things like, I used to be on fire for God. I used to be pure. I used to be loving. I used to be connected to the church. I used to be free. I used to have a good relationship. I used to have a good marriage. See, Samson found himself in the place where he was blind and bald and bound by the Philistines. And I have to imagine that while Samson was sitting there grinding grain, that he was thinking of all the things he used to do for God. He was thinking of the fact that he picked up the gates of Gaza and carried them on his shoulders. I mean, I'm not talking about getting a screwdriver and knocking those things off. The I'm talking about pulling those things up out of the ground and carrying them off. 
I'm thinking he's remembering how he tied foxes' tails together and sent them off through the field. He's thinking of how he took the jawbone of a donkey and killed men with it. He's thinking of all the things that he used to do for God. In John's writings in the book of Revelation, Jesus speaks to the church at Ephesus and he tells them, hey, you're doing a good work. I see what you're doing. But he says, I got this complaint against you. Somewhere along the way, you lost your first love. You lost the passion. You lost your you lost your zeal. And they begin to think back. I'm sure some of the people here in that letter, they begin to think back to all the used to's. I used to be passionate. I used to I used to have joy when I was serving. I used to have joy when it was my turn to be an usher. And I used to have joy when it was my turn to serve in the nursery. And I used to have joy when it was time to go to church. See, if we aren't careful, we allow things that we should have killed a long time ago to stay in our lives. And what you don't die to in your life, it just lays dormant within you. And it bides its time. And it waits. And it waits. And it waits. And then at the right moment, it rears its ugly head. And when it does, it comes back stronger than it ever was before. Why? Because if you don't kill it, it's got its heart set on killing you. If you don't kill sin, sin will kill you. If you don't destroy sin, sin will destroy you. If you don't get rid of it in your life, it'll get rid of you. It'll destroy your dreams. It'll destroy your purpose. It'll destroy your passion. Sin is nothing to play with. I got like seven people who agreed with that. I don't know if they do this here in Missouri, but in Arkansas, we got these people who they get lions and tigers and bears as cubs, and they raise them in their house. Like, I found it. It was orphaned, and I just decided I was going to take it in. Like, first of all, what part of that seemed like a good idea? And, and, and this stuff ain't even my notes. Y'all getting this for free, Okay. And so, what happens is, when we get sin in our lives, it's cute and cuddly. James says it this way, it says that sin conceives, or that, that your lust, your temptation conceives and it brings forth sin. Child, it's a baby, and we kind of patty cake with sin, and it looks cute, and it looks good, and it's all nice. All, it's just small, it's just nothing significant, it's nothing major, it's no big deal, and we just play with it like it's no big deal. But then here's what happens, Okay. They get lion, tiger, bear cub, and they bring it home. But guess what happens? Lion, tiger, and bear cub grow up. And then one day, lion, tiger, and bear cub realize something. You're a link on the food chain. And so then we get on the news, and they say, lion, tiger, or bear attack somebody in the home. And I don't know how it is in Missouri, but in Arkansas on the news, they find the most redneck person. They got like a wife beater on and a backward hat, and they're usually missing some teeth, and they interview them. Y'all ever notice that? Like there's a fire or a car wreck. It's like, quick, let's go find the rednecks. And so they're interviewing them. And they say, well, I don't know what happened. He's always been so cute and cuddly, and he, we never had any problem with him, but he just rose up and ate grandma today. I'll tell you what happened. He was a lion. He was a tiger. He was a bear. That's what they do. 
and we play around with sin, and we think sin is no big deal, and then we wonder why our marriage falls apart, and we wonder why we don't feel the fire for God anymore, and we wonder why things around us are crumbling, and we wonder why our life isn't blessed. It's because it, what, it is what sin does. Because James says it's sin that, that when it's conceived, it comes forth, and it's all nice and wonderful, but that sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. If you don't kill sin, it is not going to shrink away by itself. And so what happens is our breakthrough then turns into used to. You say, I used to feel God. So you find yourself living in the same pattern over and over again. Never have breakthrough. Third point tonight is this. You need a breakthrough where you stay through. What people need in their lives what the church needs is we need a breakthrough where we stay through. See, some of y'all, y'all been down and y'all been prayed and poor and y'all been anointed so many times. Y'all are like the grease pig out of county fair. Y'all know what it is to come through the prayer line and you know what it is to be prayed for. But understand, understand me, as great and as anointed and as powerful as your pastor is and as great and as anointed as people on this prayer team are and as great as the leaders of this church are, they can't get the victory for you. They can't, they can't make you walk in victory. They can't make you live in victory. You've got to have something that rises up within you who says that says, I cannot be satisfied living this way anymore. I cannot be satisfied going through the same thing anymore. I want a victory that lasts. I want a victory where I stay through. I, I understand there are things in our lives that ail us. And yes, I want you to have victory over that sin. But I want you to get rid of the emotional things in your life. Get rid of the bitterness. Get rid of the unforgiveness. Get rid of the offense. Get past the hurt. Move on through the pain. I want you to experience a stay through against the lust and the porn and the sexual bondage that grips your life. Get a stay through against the addictions. Get a stay through in life. Don't keep struggling with the same things over and over again. And I want that for you. But more so, I want a people and I want a church to experience a breakthrough where they stay through in their spiritual life. I don't want just waves of God's presence every now and again. I'm thankful for when God moves. And I'm thankful for what God does. But I want a sustaining move of God in our lives and in our church. I want a passion that never wanes. I want a fire that never dims. I want a power that never weakens. I want to stay through in our kids' church. And I want to stay through in our youth ministry. And I want to stay through in our Wednesday night activities. But not only that, God wants you to walk in that when you go to your workplace and when you go to your neighborhood and when you're pushing your cart around Walmart. God wants you to walk in victory. And if we want to see that in our lives, then it is going to take some people who are willing to take the arrows of deliverance and begin to strike the ground, begin to stay in prayer for victory in their family and victory in their church and victory in their home and victory in their ministry that I'm not just going to wait and hope that victory comes. I'm going to strike the ground. I'm going to stay in prayer for my church, for my job, for my family, for my finances because I don't want to just live in bondage anymore. I want to break through where I stay through. Father, we thank you tonight.
God wants you to have a breakthrough where you stay put. God's desire is not for His people to struggle. God's desire is not for His people to live a life where they are constantly circling the same things over and over and over again. See, there came a point Children of Israel, they've been circling the mountain and God spoke and He told Moses, it's time to turn and it's time to take your journey. It's time to turn and it's time to take your journey. And some of you tonight in this place, you've been battling the same things over and over again. You've been dealing with the same battles over and over again. And God has brought me by tonight. God has brought me from Boonville, Arkansas to tell you tonight it's time to turn and it's time to take your journey. It's time to turn from the things that have held you. It's time to turn. It's time to allow those emotional wounds to be healed. And it's time to allow the hurts that you suffered to be healed. It's time to allow breakthrough to occur in your marriage and in your finances. It's time for you to say, you know what? I'm laying down this lust and I'm laying down this porn addiction and I'm laying down this drug addiction and I'm laying down this this thing that I think I have to have and God is saying it is time for you to turn from those things and it is time for you to take your journey into the purpose that I have for you to take your journey into the power that I have for you to take your journey into the presence that I have for you God never calls us to look back God never calls us to go back God always calls us forward and the only way that you can take that journey tonight is if you decide to turn.